As followers of Christ, we are faced with new norms and societal changes that may differ from our worldview. We see fads continue to shape not only our culture, but our beliefs as well. Are we following the trends of life, or are we seeking after the deeper truths which God places before us? We'll discuss these questions and more in Trend or Truth. Hey, and hello, this is Zorn from the Amp Station, uh, coming at you with a series we've been really excited about to uh, kind of talk over. Um, we've been doing this in our uh, Thursday night small group, which you can find uh, uh, on Zoom right now. Um, we're going to kind of hold off on the whole face-to-face deal until June 1st and reevaluate, But uh, uh, and I think there's some stuff down in the description where you can... Uh, Search for the the a way to get a hold of us through our social media so that you can get the link to our Zoom uh, discussion groups. We have one on Wednesday at seven. We have one on Thursday at seven o'clock, and we'd love to see you there. So uh, today I have with me, um, he's our apologetics guru. That is guru is not a bad word, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and it is uh, from the Church of the Nazarene, and that's Wes Hostler. Hey, sorry, I had. A little something in my throat I had to get rid of, and I coughed on this mic. I'm going to have to sanitize it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. We'll have to 409 it. Uh, so, and then also with me is uh, our good friend and producer extraordinaire, Mason Phillips. How's it going? And new graduate. Yeah, that's right. Today. <laughs> well, the, well day, the day that we're, we're cele- doing this, yeah. Ceremony was today. So. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, so we're going to talk about uh, messy grace and... Uh, I don't know that you can do it in a sentence, um, but maybe in a sentence or two, uh, kind of explain the what Messy Grace is about. Wes, you go first. Well, the series is about being messy as human beings, and God's grace is what gets us through that. Now, Caleb Kaltenbeck very specifically wrote a book about his experience with parents that are involved with the LGBTQ community. And so it's a great story just seeing his life and how he has come to faith in spite of some very negative impressions that the Christian community uh, has really impacted his family with. Uh, So at any rate, um, he's a pastor now, uh, Discovery Church, and he, he wrote the book, and then uh, City on a Hill invited him to do a series with videos and, and a lot of interviews with people that have been through similar things. It's just great stuff. Yeah, for me, uh, it, it's kind of a, it definitely tackles how to love people that are involved in the LGBTQ community, right. but it also goes beyond that. It kind of shows you how to deal with people who aren't Christians, how to just love people and just to be real with people. That's really good. Um, I, uh, you guys are, I know you're tired of me saying this, but uh, for me, this thing is about really taking what I think, uh, and again, this is Zornio opinion. We just talked about this, but, uh, what I think is one of the toughest things for Christians to get their mind and especially their heart around, uh, you know, homosexuality, um, gay, uh, LGBTQ, um, and I've said all along in this, I don't believe that they're even teaching us about that. They are, but I think they're teaching us that if we can find some compassion, if we can find a way to love those people without condoning or condemning, um, and 
then if we can do that, that opens us up for a whole lot of things that we struggle with and really to, in our minds don't seem as offensive or rude or, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things that LGBTQ in the world, honestly, until recently has always been kind of a, a you know, seen as a worse thing to be doing. You, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and it's just, that's not how God sees it, you right. know? And, and I think that's one of the things that as Christians, we have to realize that God doesn't look at it like that way. Jesus really set the example because he was dealing with people on a regular basis that were afflicted. And as a matter of fact, you had one of our topics was that people don't go to the, to the doctor when they are healthy. They go to the doctor when they're sick. And that's, that's kind of the thing that we're talking about here, kind of along that lines. Absolutely. And uh, the, the most important thing we need to remember is that we're all in need of a doctor and we're all messy in one way or another. And what Jesus was really saying is it's people that will acknowledge that they need God are, are the ones that are going to be more receptive to the ministry of Jesus. There's a lot of people that are in denial uh, about needing God. And that's what Jesus was talking about. You know, when you have uh, the religious elite that were essentially saying that they had earned their spot, their, their favor in God's eyes. And, you know, you could go back through the Beatitudes and talk about the, all these people that knew they needed God because of their situation. I, I agree with what you're saying, but I, I, I'm looking more towards, and Mason, I kind of want your thoughts on this. I'm looking more towards how Christians don't realize that the people that we're supposed to be trying to bring are those sick people. And I don't mean sick like LGBTQ. I mean, like in the reference to the doctor, uh, but you know, he was going to get people that had problems, not people that are already in the church. Not He wasn't going after the 120, you know. Mm-hmm. He was going and finding people. Uh, of course, he couldn't get the 120 because that comes later. But I'm just saying those <laughs> kinds of people. You know, he was finding people and, and you know that needed healing, that needed something in their life, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. He was always either sitting or dining with people who maybe didn't believe that he was the Son of God, but they had, they had a... He had a way of drawing people to him because he just loved anybody that he came into contact with. He would, of course, correct people where they needed it, but he didn't judge you for being different or being uh, not right with God. He wanted to I'll say he was just he was open with everybody and he was welcoming to anybody. He was not right, put, right. putting people in the fringe or saying you can't belong. He was he wanted everybody to come into the kingdom. This particular sin or this particular affliction is not what I'm after. It's it's these other that's not the case and then and people that were god followers maybe not jesus followers were ridiculing him because they didn't associate with those kinds of people that's you you were supposed to stone them and and uh uh you know kind of make it a point that they don't belong well and that that was the stigma attached to uh handicaps or you know things in their lives that everyone could see they automatically assumed that was a curse from god because of their sin and they didn't even have to know what the sin was. They just like, well, if this wouldn't have happened to you if if you weren't cursed by God. And so Jesus straightens that out too. But along those same lines, the the point Jesus was making is you can see what's going on, whether it's you know the the woman caught in adultery or the Samaritan woman or uh, the the tax collector or just go down the list of these people and. 
their their sin was kind of on their sleeve, so to speak. Right. And so he's he's essentially saying, well, that doesn't mean because of their behavior uh, uh, is external and obvious that your heart is any more or yeah any more pure than theirs. Is. Right. And and that's the big deal. Is it just because you can't see it doesn't mean uh, that there's not sin in someone's life. Well, and that's like we were talking about, um, you know, Jesus with the woman that, that was adulterous and uh, all the guys are asking to stone, he, stone her and Jesus bends down in the sand. And I've heard it uh, one way of putting it that he may have been writing those guys' sins down and reminded them that, hey, mm-hmm. you can't even cast the first stone because this is, this is yours, you know. Right. And, and I just think that's an interesting way to look at it and a pretty good uh, reason to maybe drop the stone and turn and turn and walk away. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so um, would it help? Do you guys think it would help if maybe we just kind of did a quick little character rundown? Yeah, I don't, not, not character is probably not the right word, but, but uh, the people involved with the the Messy Grace yeah, series. Yeah, so uh, I think the the simplest one is probably Sam, um, who's a pastor now. He was from England. I think he's in Chicago or something now. I'm not positive. Yeah, I'm not where I'm not sure where Sam actually lives. I think he's still in the UK because I've seen him in other ministries uh, associated with the Robbie Zacharias ministry yeah. called Reboot. So I think Sam Albury is still there in the UK doing different things. Which he has trouble with same-sex attraction, knows that that doesn't align with the life of Christ, so he has chosen to live a celibate life and is actually a pastor, uh, a practicing pastor. And uh, so Andy's one of the he's one of these guys, which let's just touch on this real quick while we're here. He's one of the guys that doesn't have he'll tell you he's like my childhood was was awesome, you know, because there's a lot of people that believe that these kinds of things happen because you were beaten or you were molested or you had something. You had some trauma that pushed you towards this. And he's he's just front right up front and telling you that I just. Yeah. Found one day that I had same sex attraction. I mean, what what do you guys think about uh, as far as for me? It's easier to give someone some leniency if I know they got a backstory. You know, we talk about a subway story in mm-hmm. here, and it's easy to go, "Oh, well, they were beaten." Okay, so I can give them some compassion in an uncomfortable situation. Uh, but but someone that really doesn't have a built in excuse does that change our view on things? It definitely opens you up to th- say that what well, he says something very interesting. Uh, I was listening to the first episode today. Uh, that uh, being born with that inclination of same-sex attraction is not your choice, but it's how you act on it that that's, that's your choice. Nice. That's how you can go about it. And so it, it just shows you that it's it's not necessarily your background that affects you to be more prone to being homosexual or to drinking or to what name the sin, there you go. But right. it, it's not the background so much that makes you inclined to do certain things it's really it's it's how you act on it not what you're more inclined to do yeah and he actually didn't find christ until later in life right like maybe in when he was a teenager or or early late teens or something definitely a teenager and i don't know the exact age but he was talking about some people that he had met because he needed a part-time job and this family that ran this whatever kind of retail outlet or whatever it was i can't remember said that they were the model Christians. They lived what we consider to be followers of Christ. And he, he just goes into describing 
the way that they modeled and reflected Christ in a way that we don't always hear about. And so um, that truth and grace balance, they absolutely uh, were the example. And so whenever he began to want what they had, he didn't have some distorted version of it. Like sometimes we hear of people as like, well, I'm modeling myself after this particular person that I know is a believer. And then they get to reading the Bible and all of a sudden there's contradictions. <laughs> and he never found that right. in those people. And so it, it's a great story because he talks about how his behavior was good because Christianity originally had been presented to him as a younger person before his parents or he believed as a just be a good boy type of thing and you'll end up going to heaven. That's what he was shown or he I think he said that's the kind of Christianity I was brushed with. And then comes to find out that it's it's a lot deeper than that, especially when you understand who Jesus is. And so him talking about his behavior being okay because of the way he was raised with certain uh, certain rules that lined up with what we might consider to be uh, Christian principles, he figured out that it was his problem was internal. He behaved well, right? but he said, you know what, we're all attracted to things we shouldn't be. Yeah. And that really painted that, a that great That hit everybody in the, yeah. in the group right, kind yeah. of right, in the, right in the face. Because, because, again, now you're not talking about abomination sin. You're, you're talking about sin that's yours, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, oh, my gosh, yeah. I am attracted to things everybody that I shouldn't deals be attracted with, to. Yeah, everybody deals with some kind of sexual sin, whether it be like so many guys, including myself, have an addiction to pornography that is we're trying to, to beat and trying to get past. And, it's, and whether it's uh, attracted to the opposite sex or the same sex everybody has some kind of sexual brokenness that we're all dealing with yeah and i believe that goes beyond just the sexual nature of it because there's you know i'm in part of my thing before uh, i gave my life back to christ was i mean i played golf every day i loved golf i wanted to be out there all the time it was and, and that's not even an unhealthy thing really until it till it becomes an unhealthy thing you know until it's uh keeping you from from god you know mm-hmm. and so just something to really think about there. And and wasn't it, isn't that when Caleb was talking about um, the Bible not being about good and being rewarded, but it's also about being bad and experiencing God's grace? Is that the, was it Sam? That he was it was kinda, Sam that said that same thing. It, was it Sam? Okay. Yeah. I just, I wasn't sure on that. So the next one that um, uh, would probably be uh, a good one to talk about, uh, uh, what do you think, Jackie, is it Jackie Hill Perry? Yes. Who is like a, a famous like wordsmith now, kind of mm-hmm. a little bit of a rap type deal to it. But she um, she grew up um, uh, without a father figure, but what she had seen of a father figure, she emulated because she saw that men could do things that women couldn't at a very early age. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she started emulating that, even from the way that she stood to, to pee, uh, to, to model that. Um, she'd said that she had saw her, uh, uh, some men drinking beer, so she would take a bottle of root beer and drink it the same way, and and just started modeling that behavior at a very young age. And uh, over time, it kind of uh, morphed into um, a male appearance to some degree. Um, she said she'd went to a club and and dressed like a guy one day, and uh, it was a it was a, a gay club, the a women's club, and got hit on and kind of liked it. Um, can you expand on that a little bit more, Wes? And 
what 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 all she was into? Well, I mean, she talked about the reason that she wanted to emulate men is is she felt like being a woman was weak. Um, the men that she had had interactions with through her mom were all very strong uh, role models, so to speak. And it was almost like she said, guys can get away with anything. And so if I become a woman or if I'm feminine and fulfill that role model, then I'm opening myself up to pain, whereas a guy right. can do anything he wants. Yeah. So so true. I mean, and she just like was convinced of it too, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she said something like uh, her mom said that at, at her age, like every guy she'd been with had cheated on her, so she didn't feel like she could trust that kind of yeah. relationship. Yeah, yeah, because she even said like, and you knew him a long time, yeah. so it's like, <laughs> if that guy's going to do you wrong, you know, then right, or because she was so much older, you're so much older than me, and and uh, and you had something like that. So yeah, so uh, and she ends up. Um, having a really cool transformation um, because of a person that entered her life that uh, was willing to, um, she didn't ignore the fact that, that she was, uh, you know, lesbian, but she was willing to, how'd she put it? She said, uh, uh, let's just put that aside for now and try to teach you how to love Jesus because you, you don't even know how to love Jesus, but that, I'm not going to address the fact that, that you're lesbian. I'm just going to, let's see if we can teach you how to love Jesus and see what happens from there, right? Absolutely. It, it was, you know, I think with anything in life, if we just try to stop doing something, it's going to be harder than if we try to replace it with something good. And I believe that's what we see is that Jesus wants us to pursue righteousness, to pursue a relationship with him and you can't do both. I mean, it's just an impossibility. So this woman was obviously, you know, uh, very wise and just wanted Jackie to pursue her relationship with Christ and said, these are the things that will help you draw closer in relationship with him. And it will replace all these other things that you think give you identity or define you. And you just, I think she just said, you need to learn how to love Jesus. Yeah, right. Right, yeah. Yeah, there was something I heard. Uh, I heard a pastor talking about this in a service uh, a couple of years ago, and he was talking about uh, uh, he was taking a, a flight, and uh, he was positioned next to a lady who was very adamant that she wanted nothing to do with God, and he didn't want to talk to anybody on that flight. His intention was to go in there, put his head down, go to sleep, and uh, he got put right next to somebody who was going to make him be attentive and make him uh, be alert throughout the entire flight. So he was talking to her and she was holding a beer in her hand and they got to talking about what they did, what she did. And he said that, Oh, he was a pastor. And she's like, Oh, well, I bet you want to talk about this beer I have in my hand. He's like, no, I I don't think God really cares about that right now. I think right now he just wants a relationship with you and he'll handle that later. Wow. Yeah. So good. And we, we kind of, that's kind of, we like to address things here, you know, is Mm -hmm. uh, let us, let us love on you. And God will slowly start telling you the things that He wants you to shed, you know. And, yeah. Um, I uh, uh, one of the things that uh, come to mind was, you know, I, I don't know why they don't have this lady that loved Jackie so much and taught her how to love Jesus. She'd be an awesome person to have in the series. Um, but one of the things that that and you kind of touched on it at the start, Mason, was that lady really had a way with just loving people where they're at, didn't mm-hmm. she? Yeah, definitely. 
And I, I just think that, uh, you know, that would be an, an amazing model to, uh, to have around and be, you know, an influence in your life. And uh, if we can learn something from that, because it, it was a big deal to her. Wasn't one of her points was uh, not to say, uh, talk about the bad things that are in your life, but talk about the good things that Jesus has to offer. Mm-hmm. So one of the uh, other guests is uh, Michael, who is kind of the, kind of along the same lines with, with Sam. He... Um, is wanting to be a pastor, um, has struggled with same-sex attraction, uh, got busted by his mom on his his history, and and but he was trying to follow Christ and, and was failing at it, I mean, admittedly, um, and was just really struggling. And, and his mom crushed him with a statement that said, you know, you're just not the man that I thought you were going to, or not the Christ follower that I thought you were going to be, you know? Yeah, I think, I think she said something like, I wish you had dealt with a drug addiction because at least that could be fixed. Yeah, and that's kind of what I'm talking about. A drug addiction can be fixed, but Jesus can't overcome right. LGBTQ. Are you kidding me? You know, yeah. and, and not to mention, I mean, so is that easier to love? Because I've been around drug acts. I've been around alcohol. I was an alcohol. I promise you, I wasn't easy to love. Yeah. Un- you know? Unfortunately, that's just how a lot of people think that it, for some reason, those two sins are completely separated and that there's no way of coming back from a homosexual background. Right. Right. That's so good. So good. Um, so Michael kind of, uh, follows the same steps as Sam. He, he decides he's going to, uh, follow Christ and that doesn't align. So he kind of goes into a celibate lifestyle. Um, and one of the things that I'd like to talk about is, is what, what about that? I mean, Christians leading celibate lifestyles, uh, that are tempted by same sex attraction. I mean, it's tough enough to deal with temptation when it's, an okay temptation in the eyes of God, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But yeah. uh, what about someone that, that's that's struggling with that? Well, Sam does a great job. I mean, he just has a way with words that puts things very simply, but it's it's profound. And he talks about it's crazy in our culture to think that we could live without sex. Yeah. And I was it, hoping this is where you were going with this. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I don't even know how to bridge this gap simply for the fact of how right he is. It's almost understood that sex is the thing that is in movies, it's in music, it's in all kinds of uh, social media, on and on and on. And, we don't realize how much of our lives revolves around sexual interaction. Right. You know, and actually it's not even just relationships. I mean, there's a lot of times that sex is the core of just an interaction, even if you don't know that person very Mm -hmm. well. And so he's trying to help explain that there is a difference between intimacy and sex and we interchange those words way too often is that intimacy intimacy is about having the closest relationship possible according to what god wants us to have and so if we talk about intimacy with with god then of course it's not sexual and people you know from the outside looking in might may find that really strange to use those you know, uh, definitions. And so he talks about 
that I can't live my life without intimacy. Right. He said, but the relationships that I have that are tighter than any, uh, you know, blood relationships that we have with family or whatever, absolutely are everything that I need to be fulfilled. And it's only because people are told from a very young age that sex is the most fulfilling relationship that we think that way. Right. Yep. Right. I remember one time uh, on a earlier podcast, Mason, you had said that um, if you want a distant God, you'll have a distant God. Right. And so how does this intimacy and your relationship with God work? Is that, I mean, is that something that you treasure and, and try to Absolutely. accomplish? Absolutely. Uh, I try and work on it as much as I can every day. There are days that I fail and then I, I, that relationship doesn't really grow anywhere. But then there are days that are so strong that I feel like he's the closest person that I've ever been to. And it's it's all, all reliant on how much do you want to pursue this relationship? How much do you want to dig into it and build it and make it stronger? You can do that with a person and not have the sex be a part of it. Right. Like, like Sam says, like we can live without sex, but we cannot live without intimacy. We have to be close with somebody so that they can know us and so that we can know them so that we can help them with their problems. They can help us with ours so we can talk these things out. So and good. It's, it's the same way with God. we got to treat that relationship the exact same way. And do you find that as you grow in that intimacy with God that the temptations seem to fall away or be, at least be easier to deal it's with? It's definitely easier to tackle and easier to uh, it, easier to put away if that temptation comes my way. I can uh, easy. It's a lot easier to go to God and go into a moment of prayer and then have that feeling go away because a lot of temptations do come from a feeling, but you have to tackle that feeling with Scripture and with prayer. Wow. Yeah, that's right. That's good. Uh, you know, I, I, there's always times in my life where I have something that I really struggle with and, and, uh, you know, I, I try to pray it away. I, I you know, I try to read it away and, and I mean, those things help for sure, but it's like, there's just some time that all of a sudden I wake up four months later and I'm like, I haven't even thought about that, you know? And mm-hmm. it's, it's such a, such a victorious <laughs> feeling, you know, and yeah. you're just like, wow, thank you, Jesus, you yeah. know? Um, so the, the next one is probably the, uh, what I think now you can punch me in the face later, but you'll have to see me in person to do it. So I got to at least like June 1st, but, uh, uh, Carly and Margaret, uh, Carly is a, uh, uh, post-operative transgender, right? She, she was a man and now she's a female, um, by an operation. Uh, and this, uh, Man, she just blows me away sometimes. She there's times where where she literally just like knifes me right in the heart with her words about how she's felt from people that claim to be Christians. And thankfully, her sister isn't one of those because her sister to me is living another one of those really great examples of how we should mm-hmm. love and and uh you know, we had the conversation about whether or not calling her Carly is a is a, a condoning, you know, is that condoning and and what did you guys think about that whenever we asked that the first time? If Margaret is Margaret condoning her actions by saying that, you know, by calling her Carly as she wishes to be called? Well, the very first uh, session we talked about on a Thursday night, we said it's complicated. Right, yeah. right. I remember <laughs> you know? that. And it's when we try to over, But just like once, right? It wasn't like 19 <laughs> times we said it's complicated. Well, and I mean, think of how many times people use that as a way to describe relationships. And it's because people are complicated and we're made uniquely. We're individuals. And when you make generalizations about people, including people that are transgender or whatever, 
you, you're essentially saying, I'm writing you off. I, I'm not going to take the time to get to know who you are because you're all the same. Yeah. And you could say that about ethnicity. You could say that about color. You could say that about so many things. And it's why we get ourselves in trouble as the church today uh, because we like to make generalizations so we don't have to get to know people before we judge them. Right, right. And so in, in this particular case, um, it's complicated. And uh, trying to oversimplify whether or not using a name someone has chosen for themselves uh, is either enabling them to live you know, that lifestyle or if it's just respecting their wishes, it's, it's hard to say. And I think Margaret knows her, you know, sibling better than anyone else. Right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. for sure. And with her doing that, it's a way for her to, to not try to control the relationship. It's like, I could say, well, your name is Jeff Lazornio. I am not going to call you Zorn, even though that is the nickname you've chosen for yourself. Oh, are you talking to me? Yes. Okay. Yes, that was you. (laughs) So, but you see what I'm saying is that we choose nicknames for ourselves Mm -hmm. and and things like that. And we get hung up on some things, which really is not a hill to die on. Right. And she does not in any way, shape or form enable her to um, find her identity in that. In fact, that conversation came up several times that, you know, Carly, you're so much more than just your body parts, than just you know, your attraction to whichever sex it is and all these things. And, and as you go throughout the different episodes, you see how complicated it is. But what you have to really pay attention to is the amount of pain that Carly has gone through because she doesn't feel, uh, she feels less than, you know, her value, her self-esteem and all those things have just been stomped on and it doesn't do any good to make uh, a person feel like God doesn't love them because of anything like, you know, uh, same-sex attraction or because they have a problem with the sex they were born in. And we could go into gender dysphoria and things like that, but again, it's complicated. But she also has such a high view of God when they wait till the fourth episode to reveal this to you. But you remember mm-hmm. the words she was saying about her view of God while going through all this. Well, that had to come from Margaret. Right. And if, if calling her Carly kept the relationship intact so that she could, she, she could divinely manipulate those, you know, the, you know, but she got to stay in relationship. So she still got to keep the conversation going, you know, and that's one of the things that I think is just, ginormous is that we've got to be able to keep the conversation going. Um, what do you think about the whole Carly name situation? I think it's exactly what, like we all go by like certain nicknames or certain names. I mean, in the end, it's just a name. The name doesn't even really define who you are. Well, we talked about this a couple weeks ago about identity and we're, I think that was last week's episode, finding identity. And it's where are you finding your identity? Are you finding it in God? Are you finding it in your body? Are you finding it in your name? it's so important to decide where that's going to come from because it really shapes who you are as a person. Right. And I, uh, one of the things that I, I kind of come up with was because they make it obvious that the parents were not ideal parents, especially the father. Uh, the father like threw a plate at yeah. Carly's face. Yeah. I mean, I mean it was yeah. definitely abusive. I think they yeah. sugarcoated it honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, they left it where you could paint your own portrait. And, uh, 
I think that it's it's one connection that Margaret has to show that she truly loves uh, Carly, you know, and, and sometimes that's what it takes is mm-hmm. what is the one thing that can that can show that you because she knows that she doesn't feel loved. That's the biggest thing is she doesn't right. feel loved. So if uh, if I can call her Carly and we even kind of we asked the question again last week, I think it was about, you know, if we're Christian mm-hmm. and it's going to irritate you that I call you uh, anything other than Mason, why would I do that? You, right. You know, and it's just going to drive the person yes, away. It's not going to yes. mend the relationship at all. It's not yes. going to drive them to God or so anything. So she wants so. to be called card. I think sometimes that's our own uh, want to be right before we want to be righteous um, pride. You know, well, I'm not, I'm not doing it. Well, what if God just asked you to, <laughs> would you do it then? Oh, well, yeah, if he asked me to, but he would never, yeah. Look at the people Jesus was hanging out with, right. and you tell me that he would never ask you to try to establish a relationship with that person? Yeah, That's all we're asking it, you to do. It was the Pharisees that were always talking about how Jesus was doing everything wrong, and look how that turned out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, I guess the last uh, person to talk about is Caleb. Um, I mean, this guy's uh, pretty spectacular to end up where he ended up. I mean, he talks about growing up with parents that were married— um, they divorce, uh, I believe, at an early age. Uh, both of them go into same-sex relationships. The dad's kind of like, you know, whoring around and just mixing it up with whoever. And the mom, though, gets into a monogamous relationship and I think actually ends up maybe having a life partner. I don't know if it's a true marriage or anything like that. Not, I mean, true marriage. I guess I don't have the right to say that. A legal marriage. Um, but they're they're definitely together for, for the long haul. And uh, he goes to a rally with them, and at the end – there are people that are screaming at him, uh, throwing water and urine on him, and, and he can't understand why they're doing this. And the mom looks at him, and this is another one of those just heartbreaking parts in the in the video, and says, uh, "Christians hate us," mm-hmm. meaning that Christians hate LGBTQ. Um, what what? How'd that hit you guys? It just it shows you how people's the world's view of Christians is shaped so much by people like that, the ones that are so abrasive towards people and are so hateful towards people like Westboro Baptist or anything like that. Like they think that that's how a Christian is. So that must be how God is. And it really make paints a negative view of, of how Christians treat those people. And really that's not how we are asked to do that. That's not how God views anybody. And it's just, it's heartbreaking that that's the, the way it's gone. Right. What about you, Wes? Well, and I think Sam did a great job, again, talking about, you know, some people try to label that as Christian extremism, you know, and he said, well, he said it may be extreme, but there's nothing about it that's Christian. You know, it's, he said, if you, if you were extreme about being a Christian, then it would look more like Christ. Right. And it looks nothing like Christ. So good. Yeah. So, so good. Like. And I, I remember there's one part where Carly is, she's lost for words and she says, you know, they're like, what do you, how do you want him to treat? And she's just like, just be Christian. And it just like was, oh my gosh, it was like the knockout punch. Yeah. Um, uh, so we really don't have much more time to go on this, um, but this, I think this is a perfect place to kind of cut it off. We've covered the characters. Yeah. Um, now we can gather some, uh, we'll go some material that we want to go over next week and um, go over that stuff. I do want to put in here um, just to kind of close it up that, uh, because I think this is um, 
it's such a great uh, way of putting this. Caleb Kaltenbeck, the guy that made this uh, Messy Grace series, uh, he says, uh, uh, used an illustration of how of church allowing people to belong before they believe. Mm-hmm. And I, we would never be smart enough to come up with that great phrasing mm-hmm. here at the Amp Station, but I do believe that's what the Amp Station is all about. Right, right. Um, it's, it's about making people comfortable. It's about making them feel welcome. It's about, and then at some point, building a relationship so that we can start having tough conversations so Mm -hmm. that we can start pouring the gospel into them. And, and I just believe it's super tough to uh, do that without that relationship. Yeah. Um, And we talk about that a lot. And I think this is showing you that uh, most of these people had someone in their life that they were able to have a conversation with, be poured into just feel loved um, so that they could then learn how to love Jesus. And I, I think that's one of the greatest things about what we got going here at the amp station, uh, what our young adults and, and OGs exemplify. And it just makes me proud to be a part of it. So, um, enough plugging the amp station. Um, I do want to, uh, uh, just let you know that the messy grace series, uh, by Caleb Coltonbeck, they've released it on, uh, YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's four different videos. There's a messy grace one, two, three, and four. Uh, it's absolutely an amazing series. Uh, I suggest that you go and, and check it out uh, for yourself. Um, and if you do check it out, reach out on those social media uh, pages and, and send us some questions. Send us some your thoughts. Send us uh, what you think. Uh, uh, maybe you get so interested in it that you're like, hey, I want to be on the podcast because we got an empty seat today. I'd love, to, I'd love <laughs> to fill that seat with someone that's watched the video, that's gotten something out of it, and feels like that they could come in here and, and talk about it and, and you know maybe speak life into some people that – we don't even know that are listening or whatever. So I, I would love to have that opportunity to get some new blood in here, uh, get some new, uh, a new direction of sight, you know, uh, things like that. So we would absolutely love that. Uh, also just, uh, remember on Wednesdays and Thursdays, we have our small groups. Uh, we're doing them by zoom right now. You can find that also by reaching out to us on the social media. And if you, uh, hand write us a letter, we will um, be glad to shoot you out a t-shirt and the address for that's also, uh, on the bottom and make sure that you have uh, your shirt size in there. So uh, we love you guys. We thank you for listening and uh, we're looking forward to uh, getting back after this next week. Thank you for listening to the Trend or Truth podcast. This podcast is recorded out of the AMP station in Claremore, Oklahoma. AMP is a Christian ministry geared towards college students and young adults with an emphasis on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. If you like what you heard, consider becoming a subscriber so you don't miss out on a single episode. We release new entries every Monday. Also, rate and review this podcast on iTunes and share it on social media. Once again, thank you for joining us today, and we'll talk to you next time.